Welcome to the Cycling BC podcast, where we connect you to members of the cycling community to discuss events, training, nutrition, racing, and just about everything that has anything to do with cycling. A born and raised resident of Richmond, BC, Tim Lee is the owner of Sanctuary Cafe, a bike-friendly community coffee shop at the bottom of Number 2 Road on the east end of Steveston Village in Richmond. As an avid runner and cyclist, Tim has run the Boston Marathon and has climbed iconic mountains in the Alps and the Dolomites on two wheels. As a cyclist, Tim understands the important relationship between cycling and good coffee. Showcasing some of the best coffee roasters and artisan bakers from BC, Tim wants to get people walking, running, and riding to Sanctuary Cafe for great coffee, food, and conversation. Thanks for taking the time to do this uh, with me. I wanted to get you onto our podcast to share your story as you are very much, in my opinion, an integral part of the cycling community down in our area of of the province here. Um, Yeah, yeah. I'm glad glad to be um, a part of this too. And and yeah, being a part of the cycling community is, it's it's important to me. Obviously, I have a real passion for cycling and I enjoy it immensely and I like to see new people entering it especially during COVID so many more new riders have, have joined in into the cycling movement that uh, you know it's good to be here and it's, it's I, I don't want to say serendipitous but it, I was really fortunate that it's worked out this way because uh, the cafes you know grown to become a bit of a destination for cyclists and and that I, I can't be more thankful of that and yeah. uh, I'm very very fortunate lucky that way it's played out this way too so yeah it's always yeah. nice to have a, a destination point to to go for to target and even better when there's uh, coffee and and treats at the yeah. end right well I, uh, well I <laughs> or mean to I start or to start <laughs> yeah you know what to start midway turn around and, and yeah. to finish there's always nice um nice to know there's destinations that you can that you can go to and 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 feel comfortable going to, but that's how I plan all my trips as well. And, you know, a lot of times when we're riding with friends, it's like, okay, where are we starting? You know, where are we turning around? Where can we get something to eat? Where can we get something to drink? Um, so yeah, those are, those are synonymous. Those are things synonymous with cycling, I think for the most part. And um, yeah, it just made sense that, you know, where I was able to, to find a location to, to set up shop and um, you know, it be so close to, you know, the main cycling route, especially in Richmond here. Um, yeah, it just worked out, worked out really well. Yeah, it's a great location. And having known you for some time now, I've always known you to be like a, a Richmond boy, a Richmond guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, very much. Have you always lived and, and worked in Richmond? Um, for the most part, it sounds like such a terrible and sad existence, but um, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was born in Richmond um, and, and born raised in Richmond. Richmond Hospital? Yeah, born and raised oh, wow. in Richmond. You know, I uh, was born in Richmond Hospital. My son was born in Richmond Hospital. Um, you know, for a short time, I lived on Richmond Street in <laughs> Richmond. Um, so yeah, it's you know, it's it's home. You know, it's where where I feel most comfortable. You know, I I lived a spell in Vancouver for a short while. Um, you know, I went away to university for a little bit as well, um, but ultimately gravitated back to to Richmond. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, growing up in Richmond, were you like, what were you like as a, as a kid? Were you very active? Did you play sports? 
Yeah, I played sports. I was pretty active. Um, you know, mostly played played soccer and um, you know played basketball and volleyball and you know just played whatever whatever team sports were you know part of school and you know part of the community. Um, I was pretty involved in all of that. Um, I would say, like most kids, we we rode our bikes to get everywhere. And yeah. you know, I, I remember times when I was young and and I you would just spend days riding uh, with your friends and. Um, we had a thing trying to get ourselves lost in, in Richmond, um, <laughs> if that's even possible. But um, we always thought if we would just ride through neighborhoods and twist and turn, we'll eventually get lost. And, and then we'd try to find our way home. And, you know, that was what was fun as kids. You just ride until the sun went down. So it was perfect. Do you remember what your, do you remember your first bike? Um, you know, my first road bike was, was a Norco. Um, and I think it was a Norco Avanti. Um, I think that was what the model was, and it was like a a ten speed bike. I thought it was the fastest thing in the world, but it was you know probably a piece of junk. And but it got me from A to B, and it. So uh, is this your first bike as a as a kid? Like, oh no no no! This oh, okay. was like my first sort of road bike. Yeah yeah, it sounded pretty serious for, for a kid. Yeah. yeah yeah no no, that was when I was I think probably in junior high. I think maybe okay like grade eight or grade nine. But no, I had the the typical single speed with the banana with the banana seat. Oh nice. Uh, um and I, I think that was yeah that was quite young i think probably when i was about six or seven um at awesome. that bike and it's like the bikes they yeah. rode in uh in stranger things or an et like that that era yeah 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 i i can honestly say i grew up in the 70s and um <laughs> the banana seat bikes were yeah. it um you know and and I'm, I'm probably at some point i had hockey cards in the spokes as well like that's most awesome kids. what's great about um, those yeah. seats is that you could you could like double with a friend or yeah. whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, you could. That's right. You can get all sorts of people on that thing and people standing on, on the pegs on the back. The yeah, back wheel. Right. You know, whatever you can do to get people on bikes and get from A to B as easily as possible. Okay. Yeah. So, so the good old days. <laughs> yeah. When did you get into to cycling? Like as, uh, a, as sort of a more active. Like more serious, yeah. Uh, you know what, I would say probably it was like 2008, 2009, something like that. Um, I think it might have been the ride to, Con it, actually it was the ride to Concord Cancer was when, um, it might have been the first year that it started. I can't remember which year it was. I want to say it was probably yeah, it was around that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was when I started cycling and, you know, I give full credit to my wife because she was, um, the person that was, you know, was really she was doing triathlon at the time she was getting into triathlon and so I think a lot of people that grow up as recreational athletes or age groupers they they might start off with their their mountain bike or their commuter bike to do their first triathlon and um, she progressed to uh, an aluminum uh, 12 speed or I guess 12 or 10 speed bike yeah. um, and then she evolved into a, a carbon fiber bike and then she evolved into um, a, a triathlon specific uh, TT rig and her road bike, the carbon fiber one was a specialized tarmac, it was a really nice bike, but she completely abandoned it because she was doing triathlon and she was riding her TT bike all the time. And it was that bike that I thought, well, geez, it's sitting in the garage. I might as well <laughs> throw a leg over and take it for a spin. So, you know, I, I turned up the next day with bib shorts and jerseys and, cycling shoes and my wife was wondering what are you doing with all this stuff and I was like well, I'm just gonna ride your bike 
Um, and that's you guys, what you guys, people wear. You guys able to, to share the same size bike? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fortunately, yeah. We're, we're more or less the same same height. And so yeah. the bike fit me and, and I started riding that. And that was what I, I, I used to do the, the ride to conquer cancer with. And, um, you know, I would do these training rides I remember on weekends and in the rain and, you know, just the worst weather imaginable. And I didn't have the right gear and there was so much learning involved. And I look back at uh, on those years, um, you know, I was just getting out and riding and it was just fun to get out and ride and, you know, be muddy as heck and dirty and cold and miserable. But we live in Vancouver. It's kind of what you have to expect, right? Yeah. Do you remember making any yeah. like uh, newbie mistakes back then that you can oh. remember? Every Every single one in the book. Oh, every yeah? Every one in the book. Oh. So, I, wait, do you wear underwear under your, your bib shorts? No, no. That was, that was something that I never did. I think that okay. was one of the first ones. And, you know, once again, I, I credit my wife, you know, for <laughs> probably teaching me a few things along the way. Um, but, oh, God, I, I can't even imagine. I think, like most people, you, you buy things because of price. Um, you know, whether it's cycling shoes. Um, or bib shorts or, or jerseys. And, you know, if you ever read, um, I guess it's, there, there are a set of cycling rules um, that uh, you may have heard. I think it's the Bello Minati. Um, right, right. Yeah, I think I've seen that on the internet for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I've, I've probably violated every single one of those rules um, very early on. <laughs> um, but, you know, you learn. You learn over time and it can be a little intimidating as well. But you either research it to death and read everything that you can get your hands on or you um, get tucked under the wing of someone that is far more experienced, um, uh, especially in cycling culture, um, than I was um, starting out and, and they can kind of help you along. And, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough that I have a friend that, um, that was involved in the local, the local bike scene and had been riding much longer than I had and, um, you know, worked at a, a local bike shop. And so, I made all my mistakes, especially, you know, when you put a t tool in my hand, um, that was probably the worst thing that could ever <laughs> happen is I figured I, I could, I can turn a wrench. So, you know, I, I could probably fix my bike. Well, maybe I didn't have the right wrench, but you know, I, could, I could turn something. Um, and yeah, I made all sorts of mistakes trying to fix my bike. And even to this day, I still make mistakes, but right. I'd rather give it the college try, you know, and then, yeah, yeah. Um, and then take <laughs> Yeah, and then take it to the bike shop and, you know, sheepishly say, yes, here it is. I, I, yes, I turned a few too many wrenches a few too many times. And I know I shouldn't have touched that limit screw, but right. I did. And now everything's broken. So come, please fix it for me. That's funny. I've had those experiences myself. So I could definitely. I, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think you're a true cyclist until you've you know, made mistakes with your bike, you know, thinking that you can fix something fix that funny noise or, you know, something seems a little loose, so I'm just going to tighten it up. Right. So. <laughs> awesome. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, Sanctuary. And yeah, sure. I know, I know it's been uh, three years now. You recently celebrated three years in operation. I came for a little visit to, to wish you congratulations on, on that. Yeah, thanks. Um, Thank you. I want to know where and when, like the idea for Sanctuary Cafe came about. Yeah, you know, people ask me, it's like, oh, this must have been a dream of yours, you know, yeah. to open cafe and, you know, it looks like you're having so much fun. And, you know, this was not a dream of mine um, by any means. Um, this just kind of came about organic. 
organically. Um, you know, I I have to I have to you know, give a shout out to to Musette Cafe and Thomas over there um, because I was a frequent regular of that cafe and I loved everything about it. I loved um, when, early on when he was in the back alley just off of Burrard Street. Right. Um, you know, we were making trips from Richmond in our in our cycling and, and triathlon group um, to head over there for it was a destination and I just loved everything about it. Um, and I think that that's, you know, a lot of where, where sanctuary came from was replicating a lot of what he did. Um, but adding my own sort of personal touch to it, but, um, it wasn't until I want to say probably about a year, year and a half before I actually opened when, you know, I was starting to, you know, ride a lot more because, um, I was in between jobs and I didn't necessarily want to go back to the profession where I met you, Jerk. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to go back to that industry. And, um, and I thought, you know, what do I want to do? And so while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grow up, um, I was riding my bike a lot and I was traveling and riding my bike, whether it was in Europe or the United States. Um, you know, I was always on my bike and where, what I would always be looking for is something like Musette where a place where I could start my rides, I could turn around, feel comfortable, you know, racking my bike somewhere and, and having a snack midway or, or, or finishing a ride at a coffee shop. And there just wasn't really anything like it anywhere around. Or if I had, had seen or read about some in, in other countries, um, you know, I, I would be fortunate enough to travel there and, you know, check it out. And, you know, I would look and watch and, observed how the operations were running and you know with a, with another friend of mine that we, I would be riding with you know we would be um, critics of that, that particular coffee shop you know what we liked about it what we didn't like if we could do something different what would we change and and that's how it kind of evolved to okay rather than just being so critical of and 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 learning so much and observing so much I thought maybe I might just put pen to paper and and put a business plan together and and see if I can Put something together that I think would work and that's kind of how Sanctuary came about was, you know just all of my travels and observations and thought this is you know something that's missing I mean right there doesn't need to be only only one spike friendly coffee shop in town and you know absolutely yeah the yeah. more the merrier and better for everybody I think there's definitely space absolutely. in in the market absolutely yeah absolutely and and Shockingly enough, I mean, and this is something I've discovered over the last few years, is that, um, you know, coffee shops don't just simply have to be a coffee shop that serves good coffee and, you know, plunks themselves in a neighborhood that doesn't have one. Um, you know, most coffee shops do that, but to, to be able to cater to an entirely different clientele or a specific clientele that is outside of just your surrounding neighborhood, um, it just seemed to make sense and it doesn't have to be cycling. It could be, um, hockey, it could be knitting, it could be, sure. um, you know, whatever pastime that is synonymous with, with coffee. Um, fortunately for me, cycling was synonymous with it and it was an, it was an easy one for me. Um, right. but there's, I'm sure that there are other, um, activities and pastimes and groups of people that, um, focus their attention and lives around coffee shops as well. Right. Um, so maybe is, that'll be my next um, adventure. I yeah. don't know. Is there anything you've learned about 
like cycling culture and the bike culture since you've opened Sanctuary that you didn't know before that you've learned along um, the way? Like, uh, you know, I think what I've learned is that um, there, I think like most things, there are, are groups of cyclists that are extremely inviting and welcoming and friendly and kind and helpful. Um, and then there are those that um, I don't want to say are unkind or unfriendly. I would say, um, especially with cyclists, there's definitely a breed of cyclists that are very focused, right. um, focused yeah. and, and achievement based. And, and, you know, I don't see a lot of them come through the cafe because they're usually racing by the cafe right. um, and not stopping. Um, but those that do stop uh, tend to be fairly, um, one open and, and kind and and they're they're lovers of bikes and and kind of like myself you know that's one of the, the aspects of the job that i enjoy the most is to be able to see the different bikes that come through the cafe you know whether okay. it's some um, you know whether it's some um, super bike or whether it's a a steel um you know original that was passed down from generations that has now been fixed and updated and repainted and whatnot it's, Every story, every bike has a story. And, and have you had like one it. of those wooden bikes come through yet? Like I've seen bikes made of uh, bamboo and those. Types um, of I've, I've definitely bikes. seen. Yeah, I've seen um, a few bamboo bikes that have come yeah. through. Um, I have a wood bike that's hanging on my wall in the cafe. So um, that that's my bike that I. Oh really? Uh, okay, is that new? Back, I don't. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, no, it's not new. I've had it for a couple of years, and it's okay. been on my wall. Oh no, sorry. It's just about a year old. I bought it last okay. year during COVID. Um, and it was, it's kind of like an Ikea bike. It comes in a box, it comes <laughs> all the tools that you need. Um, it kind of com it comes with an instruction manual, just like Ikea. So you pretty much, you can't build it yourself. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was able to put it together during COVID. We, when we were shut down for a couple weeks trying to pivot, um, I thought this was a great time to, to take on this little project and, built up the bike, rode it for a little bit. And then ultimately I just kind of just put it up on the wall. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually, it's really cool. It's a really comfortable ride too. Oh yeah. Nice. And, and it's a real uh, conversation piece. It's a conversation piece for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what kind of challenges have you faced in starting up Sanctuary Cafe? I remember having a conversation with you early on, probably about a year and in your time, yeah. the first year was not what you expected because you had construction happening all year on your on number two there, and it's just not yeah, what you yeah. had envisioned for the first year of operation. So, what sorts of other yeah. challenges have you have you gone through, like you know these first three years of of operation? Uh, I mean, COVID being COVID. an obvious one. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. COVID was was a bit of a challenge, um, but I'll be honest. The, the road construction was probably the worst it, because it was um, it rendered you know the, the front of my cafe inaccessible. Um, you could not get to the cafe, the bike friendly cafe where you yeah. could ride your bike up to. Um, you couldn't safely ride here, and you know, I, fortunately, I never had any accidents. There were no bike crashes riding through the dirt. Um, I, I was just knock on wood. I was so thankful that didn't ever happen. 
Okay, so people um, were coming through still, though. Like you had customers. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. You know, fortunately, I, I knew I, I knew enough people in the cycling community where they were, you know, they saw. Oh, geez, we got to help him out. He's he's yeah. suffering over there because there's no road out front of his cafe, and yeah. our cyclists yeah. supposed to get there. So they really they really stepped up and they helped me out and they spread the word and um, they got people out. But and maybe uh, you were onto the gravel thing before it got really big. <laughs> yeah, before I even knew, before I even knew I love gravel. Um, yeah, that maybe was maybe that was the catalyst for it. Um, but you know, for me, the the biggest challenge was really just running a cafe. I mean, Jarek, you know, we were we were in suits and ties. Yeah, long ago. Um, and you know, working in the corporate world, Monday to Friday, nine to five, and it was it was a real departure for me to go from that to one owning a business and two you know, owning a cafe. I mean, it was probably, you know, just a few years prior, I was taking a course um, on on how to be a barista and how to pull shots and make latte art and whatnot, just because I was curious. I, okay. I just wanted to learn something, something different, something new. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to take this class, never thinking it would evolve into a business. It was just simply a hobby that I enjoyed doing. And I thought I wanted to learn more about it. And, um, you know, even the instructor was like, well, what are you gonna? What are you gonna do once you're finished this class? They're like, are you gonna work in a coffee shop? And I was like, no, God, no, I'm not gonna work in a coffee shop. I don't want to work in a coffee shop. Um, um, I'm gonna own a coffee shop. That's what I'm gonna do. There you go. <laughs> no, yeah. So that's how it evolved. Um, yeah, cool. that was the biggest challenge. Was just the the, the daily operations. Having never worked in a coffee shop. Yeah. So um, who did you go to for for? guidance and support in terms of starting up a, a business a cafe oh, you know um did you have any or did you figure it all yeah, out there, you know there was a couple people um okay. a couple people um uh one of the persons i i reached out to was one of the owners of timber train um coffee oh. roasters so they they have a couple um cafes around town um so i just reached out to him you know with my um, you know, honesty and, and, and my humility, I just said, Hey, I'm opening up a coffee shop up in this location. I don't know how the foggiest clue what I'm doing. Can you maybe just point me in the right direction? Like, what do I need to think about? What do I need to start? And I mean, I, I'd, I'd taken business courses you know, back in university and entrepreneurial classes and whatnot. And so I had a, a sense of what I needed to do and how to put a business plan together. But, you know, I was quite humble at the fact that you know, I didn't know exactly what I was doing. So I had to, you know, reach out to some people. And so one of them was, was Jeff over at um, Timber Train, you know, and he was really helpful, you know, really kind of set me on the right path and, and offered his support, you know, wherever possible. So in, in some respects, you know, he's a really good sounding board. He was a good sounding board, still is to this day, um, if I ever had any questions or challenges. Um, the other person yeah. was really, uh, you know, one of, my, one of my closest friends I grew up with, I went to university with, um, that from the day he graduated from high school, um, he started running uh, a Dairy Queen. And, okay. and he's been running that Dairy Queen up until this day. And so from a small business and from a right. franchising and the food service perspective, he kind of also helped me along as far as, you know, food supplies and orders and tracking and, you know, just the, the back of house kind of stuff. Um, right which once again, didn't have a foggy clue, but you know, just the day-to-day -day operations of a coffee shop, um, 
I didn't have a clue. Right. <laughs> Even though I would say three years later, I still, I'm still okay. learning. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Forever learning. be learning. Right. Yeah. I think forever be learning, but also, you know, forever adapting and trying to, trying to make sense of, you know, this crazy coffee business. Cause yeah. once I thought I got it, I don't. <laughs> and, and then you throw, you throw a pandemic in there. Right. When you're, Oh yeah. You <laughs> and then you've got, a, you've got a whole set of different rules that you have to abide by. You know, it's, you know, the social distancing, the, 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 the sanitization and the routines and the schedules and, um, you know, and the face masks. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> um, and no, no, like indoor, were you guys not doing the indoor? No, seating? no, we didn't do indoor seating. Um, we were a takeout window, I think for about, three and a half, four months before uh, we were allowed indoor seating. And then they dialed us back again and said, no indoor seating. Um, so yeah, we've pivoted a few times and, um, you know, I've been fortunate. I have a good customer base, you know, especially the, right. the surrounding neighborhood and the cyclists. They were, you know, they came out in droves to, to make sure that I, you know, stayed afloat and stayed above water. So, you know, I can't thank, you know, That's everybody that, that, you know, that came out and, and really just tried to help out wherever they could. Um, to keep us afloat, and uh, yeah, we've we've continued to grow. I mean, I've That's been very fortunate with with the the number of new cyclists that have ventured the market. They've also through word of mouth learned about you know sanctuary, and so they're now making it their destination. And nice. I think they're realizing how safe the roads are out in Richmond. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the bike routes, and you know, and flat. You can, you can ride. And flat, yeah. But <laughs> other than the wind, um, yeah. you know, it's it, it, it's a really safe place to ride. Whether it's you know in the summertime in broad daylight, or or even in the evenings when it's a little bit darker, um, there's safe bike lanes and routes that you can take where you don't really have to contend with a lot of um, fast moving cars. Um, right. And yeah, so it just it just makes it easier um, to be a location like mine where where we're a destination. So right. it worked out well. That's great. So over the past three years from opening through going through COVID, has it felt like it's been like an uphill climb uh, the first three years? And do you feel like things are, you're maybe kind of cresting the, the hill a little bit or are you still? Yeah. 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 It, it's been an absolute um, uphill battle. Um, like you said, uh, the, the road outside out front was, was the real, the real challenge for us was, was how do we get, get out there get known um, and, and build a customer base um, when they can't even get to us. You know, there were days and weeks where they would sh shut the sidewalk down and you couldn't even walk anywhere close to the cafe. Um, but people still came. Um, but yeah, it's, I've just been fortunate that it's grown and, and I've reached now a point where um you know, the volume of business that I'm at today is kind of where I thought I would be at the start. Um, right. Minus, <laughs> minus the road construction, minus COVID, COVID. minus all these other things. But, um, but every, like every new business, it, it takes time to grow and nurture and, and build your clientele and, um, you know, develop your reputation. And, and take, it, it's going to take this amount of time and have to be reasonable in assuming that right. it should take this kind of time to get to that point. Um, but yeah, no, I think I, I don't want to say I've crested yet because I still think sure. that there's a lot more for, for us to do. And I'm kind of waiting for a year where I don't have a challenge other than you know, <laughs> to drum up business. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows what's next on the, or what's on the horizon, um, so, what challenges I'll be facing. 
So you mentioned you took some like coffee making barista courses just for fun uh, in the past, um, which you know has come become this now. Um, how did your? I asked you like how you got into cycling. How did you get into coffee? When did that love affair begin? Um, you know what I. I, I can't really pin a date when, when it was, but I, you know, I, I attribute it once again, you know, I blame my wife for this. No, <laughs> when we, when we were, I guess we were, we were training, um, we were running and we were cycling and she was part of this triathlon club or this group. And, um, this group would always start and finish at, um, a local Starbucks. Um, every ride, every run, um, would start and finish at, Starbucks and it may be various Starbucks all around town and sure and you know I became that Starbucks drinker that would um, drink copious amounts um, of coffee and um, you know I, I probably violated every um, coffee drinking purist sure. um, rule, rule that there is at the time but um, you know I, I see a value in, in Starbucks I see you know that they they play a role in, in the coffee world and um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in, in coffee shops or especially Starbucks um, all around the lower mainland, you know, around the world and travel and like, you know, there was that familiarity of a Starbucks and so you'd go there and that's kind of how I just started drinking coffee because you'd sit with your friends after a run or after a ride and chit chat and you'd sure. learn, yeah. tell stories sure. and do all sorts sure. of fun things. How do you like your coffee, sir? Um, I, I, no, I don't like it dark. I, I don't nope. like dark coffees. No, never, okay. never really have. Um, you know, once again, Starbucks was, was sort of a necessary evil, but, um, you know, over time you learn, um, the, the flavors that you can pull from, from your coffee and, and, you know, the better tasting coffees that exist out there. And I learned more and more about all the local roasters that exist and they all do such incredible jobs, uh, producing great coffee that, you know, I started to gravitate away from, you know, the traditional Starbucks, Tim Hortons, sure. coffee drinking to to something more refined, sure. <laughs> if you want to call it that, but but greater tasting. Um, and, you know, my, I guess my drink of choice, macchiatos, macchiatos. Um, and those yeah, local not, roasters. Not, sorry? Those local roasters is, is what we can find at Sanctuary, right? That's what we can come to expect when we come to yeah. your cafe. Yeah. Coffee. So when I, when I, yeah, so when I first opened, um, you know, I, I wanted to uh, showcase a lot of the local roasters. So I rotated my roasters. Usually every three, four months, um, I would bring in a new local roaster, always BC-based, um, and, and always, you know, just trying to introduce different flavors and, you know, roasts and that sort of thing. Um, but also feature some of the, some of the great roasters that are around the province. Um, and when COVID hit, um, I just happened to be um, working with Timber Train. And, okay. and at the time, um, when, when with COVID and whatnot, I, I kind of wanted to create some stability. I didn't want to continue rotating through. Um, and, and I just wanted to just keep things the same. Um, and, and I seem to be getting good, decent feedback from, from customers about the roast that Timber Train were offering. And so, um, we just stuck with them and I haven't, I haven't deviated from that since then. Um, you know, and I haven't really 
haven't felt the need to, but okay. I still love to because I still think there's a million new roasters out there that I'd love to try and I think I would love to introduce to my customer. Um, right. So maybe we'll circle back to that and that plan and, and keep bringing in new roasters. What about the food? Last time I was there, I had this incredible banana loaf. Where do you source your, <laughs> where do you source your, your goods from, your baked goods and, and food? So same, same sort of philosophy. Okay. Um, there, are, there are a lot of BC-based um, local bakers that are doing really good things. Um, and and so one of the one of the bakers that I work with is Creme de la Crump. Um, so they're I think their commissary is on um, Clark Drive um, in Vancouver, and uh, the owners of the business uh, happen to be um, a Skeeston resident. She she grew up in Skeeston, and her parents live across the street from the cafe, and you know they're regular customers of the cafe, and so. Um, she just happened to introduce herself and introduced her product line and thought I might be interested in, in carrying some of their products. And yeah, that banana loaf is, is pretty good and oh it gosh, provides a lot of other things. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've, I've maintained that, that local, um, BC based, um, initiative as much as I possibly can. In fact, I want to say 99%, if not all of my offerings here are, are BC based. So, you know, the sodas are craft sodas from Victoria. The iced teas are from, from Langley. Uh, you know, cinnamon buns are from Vancouver. Uh, so yeah, you just, you know, I'm a small guy and I'm just trying to, um, a small business trying to support other small businesses and, you know, I'm paying a little bit more. And, um, but I think, you know, they're doing such good work that, you know, it, it's worth the effort to try to, to help support them as well. That's great. So, That's great to hear. Yeah. Um, so what's a no good day for you, what's a good day for you at Sanctuary? Um, obviously, you know, when people are coming in and, and buying food, I, I don't mean from a, from a books, uh, you know, bottom line perspective, but what, what makes for a good day yeah. at Sanctuary Cafe? You know, what makes for a good day? Um, conversation. The, when we have, when we have people in the cafe and outside the cafe laughing and having conversation, um, that's a great day for me. And, awesome. you know, it, it's as simple as that because, um, you know, when you go into a cafe nowadays, everyone puts their headphones on, they flip their laptop open and there's no conversation. It's like being in a library. And that was what I didn't want to have. And I didn't want to create that, um, kind of environment. You know, we have, you know, comfortable seating, big tables. Um, that, that people can get together with their friends and, and talk and laugh and have conversation. And we have outdoor seating that offers that same sort of environment where you sit down and talk. But if you can take it to another level and sit, you know, at a table beside another maybe complete stranger, um, and have a conversation with them, um, about bikes, about the Tour de France, about whatever, um, that's a great day. That's awesome. And that, that's, the best that um, sounds like especially a when, when it's complete when complete strangers have conversations with one another and they get to know one another that's the best you know, awesome. and are, are things starting to look closer to that now that restrictions a lot of the restrictions have been lifted and people are out and the weather certainly helps yeah yeah definitely i mean i'm still you know we're still cautiously navigating our way through it with with still with masks on and um you know with 
I guess social distancing still existing to some degree. Um, you know, people have grown so used to it now that I don't even think people concern themselves too much with social distancing and, and masks. Right. They still wear them They're, because they've been wearing them for so long. People are keeping their distance because they've been doing it for so long. Right. Um, but um, to be able to come into the cafe and sit down with your friends um, and, and have a conversation, um, you can do that now. Um, and you can come here and you can do that. You can sit outside and you can do that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's it's getting much better. Um, I don't know how much better it can get other than the, the plexiglass that's in front of our, um, on our front counter that I despise and I hate. Um, right. it's, it's an ugly eyesore, um, but we'll keep it up for the time being until more and more people are vaccinated and right. we, we get to a place where our staff feel safe. Right. Uh, I think when, you know, when we get to that point where, you know, my staff feel safe and the customers coming in are feeling safe as well, then yeah, we'll we'll start to hopefully you know break down some of the the things that we've had to put in place um, because of COVID, and the precautions that we've had to put in place are relaxed a little bit more. Uh, but for the time being, yeah, we'll we'll hold the line and we'll stay as safe as we possibly can. Um, the safer we are, I think, the more inviting we are, to, you know, and appealing we are to a lot of customers. Um, we have a lot of um, seniors that live in this area, and okay. you know, you know, they were initially at, at greatest risk and. We saw a dip in that client group in the cafe, but, you know, they've come back and, you know, obviously I think that's a testament to, you know, the precautions we put in place. You know, we've made it a safe um, place where they can come and talk to their friends and have conversations. So, good. yeah, I think it's all, it's working. Good, good. So yeah. uh, looking forward to heading down there again and having a good conversation uh, with yeah, you in person you one of these days. Um, you have so, to bring your bike out. We'll go for a ride. I certainly will. And I've, I've asked our uh, mutual friend, Dan, to, to join me on a ride down there. Oh, yeah, so that's we'll, right. We'll get him out uh, out there, have a coffee and conversation with you. Um, so thank you very much. Is there any final words or messages that you'd like to, to end with uh, for the cycling community in BC? Oh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm just... Um, you know, I'm thankful that there are so many new cyclists entering, you know, entering our community. Um, Sanctuary is a place where, you know, you can come, you won't be judged. Um, Sanctuary, by definition, is a place of refuge, um, a place of um, peacefulness, calm, um, you know, where judgment won't be passed. You'll always feel safe here. And, and by definition, that's what I've created here. And that's what I hope to, you know, continue that, that feeling for especially new cyclists, but also for cyclists that, um, have been around for a while and you know this is a welcoming place so Great. come one come all thanks again for listening to our podcast you can check out all other episodes on spotify apple podcast google podcast anchor.fm slash cycling bc wherever you get your podcast we'll catch you on the next one and in the meantime be safe and enjoy the ride